0: Good morning, what a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord, I'm so excited for the opportunity for LaDonna and I to be with you and uh, we have been anticipating this time together just for sentimental reasons of course, Uh, memory, history, friendships, longevity and those things that are always uh, of value and importance but nothing more significant than just to be able to worship our great God together. It's been a while since I've been able to be with the Fountain of Life family, so thrilled that uh, I was extended the invitation, and uh, thank you for giving us permission to join with you in faith as a demonstration of the body of Christ. Wow, isn't that pretty amazing? Uh, that uh, we are his and he is ours and that as body members we get to collect together in settings of this nature under the supervision of the headship, the lordship of our great savior, our Lord Jesus, and uh, celebrate him. Anybody have a reason to celebrate Jesus today? I I know I do not need to answer. It is somewhat... um, Uh, determined and defined always, but it is occasionally good for us to just remind ourselves how God has been so good. Yeah, yeah. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth does endure to all generations. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So... A delight to be with you, all of those joining online and through other means of uh, communication and technology. We welcome you. We celebrate you as people of faith and uh, this wonderful ministry. Uh, We certainly honor your dear pastor, a longtime friend and covenant brother. I treasure the man of God that uh, gives you spiritual oversight and is the shepherd of this flock. He is truly a gift to this body. And I hope, according to Ephesians chapter four, you walking in that you recognize it unequivocally, and that you are taking good care of the gift. Well, a few of you are, and I'm very grateful for that. Maybe, maybe it'll become contagious. Uh, we are also thrilled at uh, this season of Pastor Han's life uh, as he uh, enters into new relationships and new responsibilities, and. Uh, he's going to need your uh, ongoing and increased uh, strength and support and encouragement and, most importantly, prayers. How many praise for that pastor? No, I just call you in church. Don't be fibbing on us. Yeah, you got That's right. Uh, you got to be praying for your pastor. No greater gift could you give him. Now, you you give him a chocolate pie or a nice Christmas gift or whatever you do to express your love, but nothing more valuable than to offer prayers to a God who can minister to him, meet his needs, help him where he's at, and give him greater capacity to lead this great ministry. And I just want to declare over this house something that I'm sure has been prophetically declared here many times. I would not have been in those settings, but I'm confident that it has been presented to this congregation and to you as a people, but you are marked with revival. I speak that over you. I remind you. I confirm prophetic words, and what you know resonates in your heart. You are marked with revival. But let me uh, warn and let me provoke. Uh, That revival identification and mark is not for your own selfish content you are to become contagious and spread that and let that become a part of the river that flows out of here to the benefit and gain of so many others. May this be a well of revival that people across this region, this state, and across this nation and even around the world, can draw from and gain access to and reach heaven by and engage God in new ways. We need what this ministry and its anointing has across the body. Don't you be stingy. As you have freely received, you be committed and determined to freely give. Yeah. Garner, thank you, sir. Good to be in your company, my friend. We bless you in the name of the Lord for that wonderful worship in your team. And I believe that might have been Pastor's uh, son-in-law on the, uh, as my nephew would say, the quitar over here. Is that correct? Would you tell Pastor Hans, take some lessons? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, w- I will confess that uh, your pastor, my friend, Hans Hess, is my favorite guitarist of all times, yeah, of all times. When I was leading the conference, it was mandatory. Wherever we went, whatever we did, if it was a corporate setting, Hans was required to bring the guitar. Oftentimes, he would uh, chagrin and uh, hesitate and be somewhat um, reluctant, but... At that point, I was carrying a level of authority by a title (laughs) that I forced him, submission, and he did so well. Roger, love you, buddy. Thank you for your kindness, and uh, what a story. If you want to see a trophy of God's grace, and if you want to know that salvation really works, just put a picture of Roger Stables on your refrigerator, and it'll remind you every day of what God can do. Thank you so much, sir. We're going to go to uh, the first verse of the first book of this holy scripture that we call the Bible. And draw from that our biblical foundation for a few moments of sharing the word of the Lord. And I am deeply honored to be your messenger this morning, and I do come with, I believe, a word from the Lord for the house. I know that's not unusual here, so uh, that is something I want to maintain consistency with. We all know this. I'm sure the strong majority of us could quote Genesis 1-1. Amen? Anybody want to take a stab at it? For those online, I'm hearing some folk trying to refresh their memory. Yeah, we're getting there. It's a slow process, word at a time. But I want to, from that uh, amazing, familiar, and very important passage, which establishes the rest of the entire canon of Scripture, just want to draw for our consideration this morning from the first four words in the beginning this is your cue in the beginning in all sincerity that is a drop the mic moment isn't it what more could be said what more needs to be said what more should be said Unfortunately for many, that steel does not prove sufficient. And so greater exhortation, explanation, deliberation is required for them to grasp the revelation of what those four simple English words provide for all of us. In the beginning, God. So my subject this morning is going to be extremely obvious and simplistic, but yet it carries a profoundness that is immeasurable, and that is God. For us who sit in the confines of a church sanctuary, or at least for the strong majority, that would be a very healthy subject, an enticing subject, an inviting subject, an encouraging subject, a welcomed subject. God. Yeah, I know Him. I've heard about Him. I've experienced Him. I'm aware of Him. I come to you as, as family this morning. Uh, Redemption Ministries, the City, Pentecostal Holiness Church, now Fountain of Life Ministries. It go back a long ways. We, we have connections and deep roots together and I don't oftentimes in my public ministry get the opportunity to hang out with the the level of spiritual family or connectivity that I get to enjoy here this morning. So uh, with your permission and in some regards without it, I am needing to have just a conversation. I need to talk to you about God. Uh, We we need to talk about God. Uh, They tell us that God's having a, a bad season, a bad time. One out of ten Americans do not believe in God. That's a tithe of our population that don't even believe in the God of Genesis 1-1. They don't think He exists. It is real. It's some false conception, some misconstrued idea, some ideology, some mysticism, some vain effort to tap into a world that doesn't exist. And then they tell us that only, note this, God bless America. That's a prayer. But that only 56% of the American population believe in the God of the Bible. Just a couple of years ago, that was 72%. Going in the wrong direction, wouldn't you say? our population is meandering in a rather swift fashion down a slippery slope uh, into a, a set of beliefs and convictions and an understanding of truth that's falsified and in an era and only but a slim majority believe in the god of genesis 1.1. perplexing revival we need church release revival Release a revelation of God. Make God known in ways that only His Spirit and His Word can manifest. So, in Jesus' fashion, my address to you this morning is going to be banked on several questions. Jesus did His most prolific teaching by asking questions. And I found it to be extremely valuable and requiring. So my question and bank of questions would be something like this. When you hear the word God, what immediately comes to mind? What is your mental processing? What do you you think about? Yeah. Now, can we be real this morning? Is that okay? Okay. We're just going to be real with his family. We're having a talk around the table. We're we're, we're around the kitchen table this morning, just hanging out as family, and we're going to get real. Is that okay? Some would say that this is a conversation not required or necessary in the house of the Lord. I would differ. 56% of our population only believe in the God that you and I confess. Confess. More than likely, based on percentage, there may be some of you hanging out here this morning that are struggling with your understanding and definition and realization of who God really is. And I would be foolish to not recognize that, and I would be apathetic not to address that. So who is God? Who is He to you? And if I were to be brave enough, though I'm not to hand many of you the mic, and you were required to give your definition of God, what would you say? What would you say about God? Who is He to you? I'm getting answers, and I'm receiving them, and so far you're theologically correct. But so far there's somewhat of a a distance in how we're defining and who He really is. And let me make a couple of rather. Accurate observations. They may have a bit of sting to them, but please bear with me. It's given to you in grace. None of you have permission to define God. He hasn't asked any of us to fill in the blanks or give the Western definition or to explain who he is or who you might think he is. So back to my question, and I'm not asking you to give the church answer. I'm not asking you to give the answer of who God is while you're sitting in the holy place. I'm not asking you to give what you think is appropriate in this religious moment or spiritual environment. I'm asking you to give me the answer that's going to be tomorrow afternoon when you've had a really bad day. Who's God when things are going south and negative and difficult? Who's God when the sun isn't shining and the birds are not singing? Who's God when you know the smell of a valley and you recognize that things are difficult and adverse and you're living in a tough time? I don't know who that God is. Yeah, not God of hallelujah, shouting Sunday morning at the peak of a worship service. We all can gravitate to that God. A mood, a moment, a setting, an environment, an ambiance. Yeah, and we love it and we enjoy it. And we come back on a regular basis to get more of that. That God, yes. But I'm talking about who is God really in your life. What is your God view? You see... Here's something that the majority of us really do not comprehend, and that's not an insult. It's just our reality. We do not recognize that our God view affects every other aspect of our life. That's why who God is is so absolutely critical and necessary in its appropriate definition and reality in our lives. Who is God determines how you live the rest of your life. Who is God in your life affects all of your relationships. It affects your marriage, your home, your parenting, your children, your occupation, your profession, your destiny, your future, your finances, your career, your mood, your attitude, your faith, your eternity. God, your God view drives everything about your life. Now, you don't think that's important? Folk, friends, family... It's imperative that we really discover and latch on to with a bulldogish attitude and position, a true understanding of who God really is. You see, if you know God as the God defined in the Bible, I'm going to get a little sticky right here. It's just personal. But again, remember, we're around the kitchen table. It's all right to have open conversation. You see, a while ago when we were given invitation to give generously, if you have a good God view, a healthy God view, a biblical God view, time of giving just rises up in our Can't wait for the opportunity to give to a loving, caring, generous, reciprocating God because he invites me and encourages me and allows me. And I get to respond in obedience knowing that I'm going to get back a whole lot more than I could ever give. See, that's a right God view. Not, oh, my God. They're taking up the offering again. Oh, mercy. Mercy they just want my money oh we got to go through this one more time doing a church service be so glad when we endure this part of the schedule you you see the difference there A, a god view will tell you to be patient with your children and love them through their difficult times and seasons and walk in mercy and grace, uh, doing their adversity and maybe disobedience, not to rile up and provoke to anger and get out of the way and misrepresent who he is uh, and pollute the faith uh, and stain your testimony. A God view always properly positions you in a right posture, a right attitude, a right condition, a right response. Who is God to you Today, Oh, I wish we had multiple hours because it demands such to accurately divulge the subject. Only eternity has capacity to properly contain who God is. In the beginning, God, and then you have quoted some of the remainder, created the heavens and the earth. So if we could just pause right there and establish something of great significance that's under attack and assault in today's world on a consistent, increasing basis, and that is God is creator. Now, that's not just some theological definition or verbiage. When we agree deep down You've settled the matter in your heart because you've wrestled with it in your mind. God is the creator. By him all things exist and consist. When you establish that, that puts your life in a totally different perspective than the majority of population because what you have just said is not only that he made the sun and the earth and the moon and the stars and this great big green planet we are revolving on and all of the Amazing dynamics of nature, the mountains, the oceans, the seas, the valleys, the beauty, the landscape, the heavens. Not only did he do all of that, and by the way, by the way, by the way, this latest telescope that they have now come up with, man's ingenuity, which continues to be brilliant. They have concluded there are 200 trillion stars in the heavens. Any mathematicians here? I wouldn't raise my hand either at that point. 200 trillion stars. And the Bible informs us that this creator God placed every one of them in their most strategic, determined location. He keeps and monitors them on a consistent basis. He does not lose one of them. And he has them all by name. 200 trillion. Trillion stars makes up the heavens. And our God, this God, creator God, has them all by name. Some of you can't even name your grandchildren. You get them all confused and mixed up and backwards. You don't even know your neighbor's name or your co-laborer's name. God's got 200 trillion stars. Who is the God that you serve? The God that you know? How would you define this God? But the amazing aspect of God creator, let's take it to that kitchen table again. Let's make it very personal and relational. Oh, yeah, the stars, we'll celebrate, we'll shout, we'll be amazed, and we say, go God. But it also means he created you. You. He made you. Yeah, you, 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 you're the results of a hand and prowess of his creative capacity in your mother's womb. He intricately and delicately wove you together into that person, that individual that he so determined you to be. It's in him that you live and move and have our being. Without Him, you are nothing. It is God who gives you life and sustenance and sustaining capacity. Who is God? We claim this and that and the other. And we could be all of that and the hat with the bag of chips. And you cannot even breathe on your own. Yeah. Who's God to you? Not only is he El Shaddai, God Almighty, who can roll up the sleeve of his right arm and conquer, never to be conquered, the overcomer, the powerful one, none who has a equal or one that can be defined as a peer. No God like our God, hallelujah, God, Jehovah, the almighty one reigns in heaven, rules on the earth, master of all things. He is God, but not only is he the strong arm one, but if you venture with me quickly to a passage, let's say like Psalm 23, we find that he's a loving shepherd, He has this uncanny ability to maneuver in so many different circles that are incomprehensible. And you and I get to experience and know Him as the Good Shepherd, who knows how to lead and feed and protect and care for. And I don't know where you are in the geography of your spiritual journey. But you can find yourself in Psalm 23. You just notice the locations that's packed within the confines of those simple verses. Uh, You might be uh, being led by green pastures and down to clear, calm waters uh, or you might be being required to step into new levels of paths of righteousness uh, or maybe you're going through the valley of the shadow of death or you might possibly be sitting in the company of your enemies uh, but i got good news for you today regardless of where you are in your journey uh, regardless of where the good shepherd has taken you to I want you to know that he's right there with you uh, he is your covenant and your abiding presence uh, And he promised that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to take the best of care for you. And he is always working on your behalf. And the promise is, yes, with me now, will not leave me now. But the day will come when I will abide in the shepherd's house forever and ever and while here. Goodness and mercy are chasing me down. The hounds of heaven are nipping at my heels and I have no reason to fear or fret or worry. Why? Because God is my shepherd. Who is God? Who's God to you? Who's the God that you know? Isaiah 40. As I ramble through my responsibility and try to start detecting the runway to land the plane. I think, Larry, I see some lights flashing. I might be needing to lower the flaps. But honestly, I'm having a good time talking about God. Isaiah 40. People of Israel are in bondage. They've been there due to their rebellion and disobedience. Exile has treated them harshly. But God has not given up on them. God has remembered them. And he tells the prophet, go to them and tell them the season is changing. They're about to be released from their bondage. The promises of God are about to be fulfilled. They're going to be given opportunity and permission to return back to their land. But he says, tell them a few things. Remind my own people. Of who I am. They have forsaken, they have neglected, they have forgotten, they've overlooked, and they've suffered the consequences as a result. And so, twice in that one chapter, two questions are asked, and it's simply this Do you not know? Have you not heard? Well, I know the men that have stood behind this podium and others on this platform and ministries likened unto it. I know those men of God. And I know you've heard. I know you've been aware. I know you've been instructed of who this God is. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? That this God of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is your God? Don't you know that this God can hold the content of all the water on the planet in the cusp of His hand? This is your God Aren't you remembering that he says that the nations are like a drop in the bucket and he weighs the islands uh, like on a scale? Uh, don't you remember that he says, you can't lack in me to other gods uh, or you can create your false idols. Uh, you can carve out your images. You can bow your knee to other things, uh, but none of them uh, can hold a light. Uh, none of them have equality. None of them can engage your life. They have ears, but they they can't hear. They have mouths, but they can't speak. They have hands, but they can't perform. I'm a God who works on your behalf, alive and well. The God, the only true God. Yes. Quickly. Matthew 6. We sang a little bit about it this morning. Worship leader, thank you. Jesus, you want to know God? You just learn about Jesus. (laughs) He is the express image of the Father. He is God. We are Trinitarian. We believe that God has three distinct, unique personalities and functions. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. But Jesus, the Son, came to represent, expose. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know me, you know Him. But Jesus in Matthew 6 on that illustrious Sermon of the Mount content exposes for something that we were not familiar with until then. We knew about Creator God. We knew about the God of the Patriarchs. We knew about the God of the Old Testament. But Jesus instructed us to approach God from a different angle now. He says, now I've come to give you evidence that he's your father. He's not just God Almighty, God all-powerful, God all-knowing, God all-wise. He's now God my father. And Jesus said, Let me try to teach that to you real quick. And he took him to nature as he often would do. And he used the birds of the air and the lilies of the field as a place of classroom activity and as tutors for his disciples. And he said, Hey, listen, look at the birds of the air. They don't punch a clock, they don't have employment, they don't have ways and means. But they never go lacking. They're always supplied for. Then he, another erection pointed to the beautiful flowers and said, Look, they can't go to the local mall and purchase their attire and adorn themselves illustriously. But not even Solomon was arrayed in such glory as the flower of the field. And don't you know that it's your father who feeds the birds of the air and adorns the flowers and lilies of the field? How much more? How much more? How much more will your father in heaven take care Of you. Why are you worrying? Why are you frustrated? Why are you fretting? Why are you under the circumstances of life? Why are you bowed down under matters beyond your control? Uh, Why is it that you've allowed the enemy to dupe you and deceive you and life to distress you? I'm here to inform you that there's a God in heaven uh, who is your father. And he will take good care of you. Hallelujah. He's got you. He's got you. How much more valuable are you to him than nature and creation? Amen. One final required stream of thought. And I need you listening. Any Spanish-speaking folk in the congregation this morning? I don't see anybody. Well, good. You cannot uh, find error. <laughs> I'm safe, aren't I? But my favorite, favorite Spanish word is escucha. I know what that means? Listen, oh, we got some out here. Took it a couple of years in high school, didn't you? You didn't do good, but you took it. Escucha. Listen. Listen. Let me tell you something about God that's it's so challenged by the enemy. I have a real concern about an identity crisis that the enemy is bringing on the body of Christ. There's an identity theft that's taking place and we're being blinded, led astray, and we need to deal with it. There's nothing more aggressive in the arsenal of the enemy of our soul than to give you a false conception and understanding of who God is. If he can make you believe that God is not who God really is, then he has warped and polluted your entire life. So there's one identification about God that the church is really struggling with. It's because of a lot of ifs, ands, and buts, and we don't have time to discuss all of that today. We just got to by faith, believe that God is. If you can just wrap your brain and your faith around the reality and the declaration that by faith we believe that God is. He can take care of the rest of it. And you tell the devil He's exactly what he is. He's a liar and the father of him and there is no truth in his being. So what he would say you can guarantee is of no value. So I'm here to close by reminding every one of you. And there are some, I know by the Spirit in preparation for this time, there are some setting in this congregation today, you need to hear this as clear and strong as anything you've heard in your Christian journey or maybe in your lifetime. There are those here today that are struggling in your faith and your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this observation, this moment of attentive listening is for sinner and for saint because we as followers of God. Years of involvement in the church and in the word and in our spiritual experience are often challenged and we are sometimes misled and deceived but I want to remind I want to inform I want to break open new revelation this morning on an eternal truth yes it is simple but again I say it with intentionality it has profoundness beyond our capacity. Today, and it is simply this God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. The devil has been trying to tell some of you look what's going on. Look what's been happening. Look at your life. Look at your family. Look at your circumstances. Watch out around you. You're going to tell me that this God you serve this God of the Bible actually loves you. You're going to try to persuade me because of all of that that he really loves you. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. I'm here to tell the devil and any of those imps and demons that will lie themselves with him and anybody that may have been deceived by them, I'm announcing it with a trumpet call and a blast of my voice. God is love, and God loves you. Always has, always will. God's love is unconditional. God's love is everlasting. God's love is eternal. God loves you. You be reminded that while you were yet in your sins, God sent his son to die for you. You be reminded that neither death nor life, Height nor depth. Anything living or that is preceded. Nothing here or there, no angel or superior being nothing or no one can separate you from the love of God God's love is sure and steadfast and unmovable and guaranteed God just loves you for who you are, why? He can't help himself because God is love you can't earn it you can't manufacture it You don't somehow deserve it. You don't work yourself up to it. It's just God being God and loving you because that's what He wants to do. Some of you need to revisit that today. I pray Holy Ghost baptizes us in a fresh expression of His love. Stand with me, please. Who is God? Who is God to you? Father, this morning, would you just pause in the presence of the Lord? Father, this morning, we calm ourselves and we remind ourselves of who you are. You are God. God, that's enough. We don't need to look anywhere else. God, you're sufficient. God, you're more than enough. But God, we want to take just a moment and revisit the fact that you love us. There are some here this morning that you came into this sanctuary struggling with that whole understanding. You're really fighting in your inner person about the reality of God's love for you. You want to believe it? You want to accept it? Maybe this morning as revelation has been exposed, you've come to a greater and clearer understanding. This God of heaven, though all He is, comes right where you are and whispers in your ear and speaks to your heart and says, my son, my daughter, I love you. I love you. Don't resist it. Don't ignore it. As I love you. I just love you for for who you are, I made you, you're mine, I take personal interest in you. Oh, I got the stars numbered and I got the birds fed, but nothing's more important to me than you. So if you're that person today and you're wrestling and you want to just take the risk, (laughs) we'll call it faith this morning. And say, God, I'm opening my life up again to your love. Come in. Come in. Have access to me. If that would be you today, if that's your prayer, would you just be brave enough to lift your hand and say, that's where I'm at today, preacher. That's my life. Yeah. Come on. Uh Uh-huh. Come on. I just need to once again revisit the love of God. Children of God, would you lift your hands in celebration of God's love for you? Can we just give Him praise this morning as the worship team leads us? Can we just give God thanks? and we bless His name? Can you bless God today? Can you bless God today? Can you celebrate this God that we love and get to know and be in relationship with? God bless you. God bless you.
1: Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracle signs and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.